0: Thank you so much. That was just a beautiful time of worship. Man, I'm in pieces. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, It was so important to us, really, in uh, putting together this event that uh, I mentioned it right at the beginning, that this was not an attendance course. It wasn't something you just visit and go home Uh, but we really have been asking God that he would be creating among us a sense of community Uh, you know a a sense of we are pioneers on a move Uh, we're together in this I I do pray it's been my prayer throughout these few days that you feel connected that this is you, you feel part of this you're not a guest or visitor this is these are your people And their heart beats with your heart and you're thinking, hey, you know, I I feel connected here. And uh, this is very much in our thinking in terms of wanting to create a culture among us of uh, feeling that we are shaped and defined very much by our relationships. I mean, it is in our name, obviously our relationship with God, everything we've been dwelling on just in these moments uh, in worship. We want to be shaped and defined by that, but also in terms of our relationships with each other. I think it's true, I mean, for me to say that I, you know, I have always allowed relationships to shape what I do. You know, I'm not, I've not been so much shaped by opportunity, or by, you know, this is this looks uh, uh, perhaps a, an impressive thing to do or or whatever. I've always been shaped by where are my friends and where's the connection, and uh, and I'll pursue that. Even if it's a bit inconvenient in terms of new frontiers, boundaries, and all that sort of stuff, I'm not very interested in that, really. I'm interested in where's God connected my heart and where do I feel the relationship is. Well, I will go and serve and connect and help in that way. I, I don't think, you know... in a a particularly shaped way. And I I just want to talk a little bit today about creating that sort of culture of relationships among us. Um, You know, we are... There are marks of authenticity in the church, okay, that you can see anywhere that tell you this is an authentic church. Uh, These things are quite clear. There's a love for Jesus Uh, There's a a sense of the presence of God and the infilling of the Spirit. There's a love for the leaders of the church. There's a a love for the the church itself. There's a beautiful simplicity about the essential marks of an authentic church. But I think we can also uh, demonstrate that there are marks of maturity in the local church. And I think... Uh, many of those marks are the consequence of being uh, fathered in an apostolic family. It's apostolic ministry that can draw through the marks of maturity in the church. And uh, it, as we think about how do we establish sort of a culture, apostolic culture among us, how do we ensure that we all, in a sense, are on the same page, that we all fall part of this family that presents us with some dilemmas. Uh, because we can have a sort of an expectation that apostolic culture, a sense of being connected with a movement of churches, of being part of a family, is about being perhaps connected to a particular person, uh, and which is valid, yes, but not possible. It's not possible for Mike Betts to come and visit your church every month and see how you're doing. And, uh, and we sit there thinking, oh, you know, we want to be part of this apostolic movement. Well, we never see Mike Betts, you know, we never see Steph. He's part of the team, isn't he? You know, we never see him. How, how can we be part of this if we don't have the opportunity to see these guys? And then maybe uh, we think, okay, well, we'll put on some conferences and events. And if we get to the conferences and events, we'll feel part of this apostolic family of churches. Well, you need to know in the same way that technology hates us, uh, we also there's, there's something else that we do very very well, and what we are, we've traditionally over 30 or more years in new frontiers. One thing we've done very very well is plan our conferences at such a time when most people can't get to them. Really, it's, we're excellent at that. You know, <laughs> you know, if you've got a, if you've got a proper job, or you know you're a, a, a mum at home, we'll make sure you can't come. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're good at that so you think well how are we going to create this sense of apostolic community that we're all together you know if uh you know we've got uh we identify some people who have a measure of apostolic ministry but we never get to see them because they're too busy anyway and uh, or that uh you know okay they then put on some conferences and events i mean we had a real battle about this event to be honest about what was the best time of week to put it on and uh uh, and some people you know very strongly said, "Look you know, uh, uh, we need can we not do it at a weekend so people can get along at the weekend and, 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 and we wrestled with this and we tried to look at maybe doing two streams a midweek stream and a weekend stream and then we gave in to our default position and did it at a time when no one could come so you know, it 's it's a challenge for us to do these things and create those opportunities. I just want to say, um, if we do this event again, and I hope we do because we want to build a sense of you know, a momentum as a community. Um, I I vote unilateral vote. Uh, you open the kit. You can do it next time. Okay, all right. That's your job. <laughs> Don't look so shocked. All right. <laughs> it is your call after all. So uh, you've seen how we did it, and you've you've been sitting there thinking, oh, I, I think I know how I would do it next time. So so uh, this is your job next time. Okay. I've said that publicly. And I can't change my mind. So, <laughs> yeah, you go for the weekend. Okay. Well, see, I told you they've already got better ideas. You see. <laughs> yeah, you did, yeah. So, apostles create a culture. They create a culture in our family of churches. We've been trying to draw you all into that culture. Uh, in these few days, so you feel, I'm part of this family, I feel fathered, I feel connected. But how do you uh, experience that week by week, month by month? How do you continue to feel part of that culture when we can't expect a visit from, you know, apostolic ministry every other week or whatever? I always think to myself, Paul did this with a donkey and a scroll. Okay? This is how Paul did it. He did it with a donkey and a scroll. So we talk about New Testament values. You know, they didn't have the technology that we enjoy. They didn't have these advantages. They didn't have the mobility that we enjoy. Yet somehow Paul was able to create that sense of, you know, we're in this together. And, that, you know, if I send you a letter, make sure you read it to all your friends in the other churches. Because we're in this together. And he created that sort of culture of uh, of a family. It's an essential role of a fathering ministry. And so... We're sort of trying to think, well, how do we do this when we can't expect uh, you know, a small number of, of guys who are already overstretched to get around to each of our churches on a very, very regular basis? And how do we create those opportunities that uh, enable people who hold responsibility in our churches but also have responsible jobs? How can they get along and feel connected? You see, the, tr- the trouble is, if you only have events that full-time church leaders can get to, you create a sort of a two-tier eldership. Because then you've got the guys who are full time, they can get to the meetings and they know what's going on. And the guys that have got proper jobs, they never get along and they always feel I'm just not really quite in the you know, I'm not in the loop here. You know, I feel second class, you know. <laughs> do you understand what I'm trying to say here? You know, and so how do we create the opportunity for all of those people to feel connected? And then as has already been observed our wives, you know, and ladies who have uh, roles of ministry and leadership in the church as well. How do we create a context for them to feel they're connected? I mean, I go home from this conference, and my wife, who would dearly love to be here, Rachel, she will ask me, how did it go? And I'll say, it was great. It was really, really good. And she'll say, tell me about it. And I'll say, well, um... Well, I Oh, you know, Grantly said some good things, um, <laughs> Steph did well. Everybody everybody did well. It was really good. Yeah, but what happened? You know, oh, I can't remember now. <laughs> it happens, doesn't it, you know. So, you know, husbands are useless at telling their wives what happened in these things. And and so <laughs> so we have to let them hear it for themselves, all right? And so we need to create opportunities where we dignify, uh, you know, ladies who've got their own responsibilities that they can feel first hand connected with what is happening. So, we have sought in every way to try and connect churches together. I want you to know, if you're part of an isolated pioneering opportunity, it is our heart and desire that you connect, that you connect with one another with those that you can uh, reach, that you feel that you can be part of something. I mean, Phil, I think, expressed it in a great way, you know, and and Graham as well, just saying, there is so much gifting and resource among us that we can express apostolic culture to one another. And so I just want to speak briefly about what we are looking for. What do we mean by that in terms of what is our apostolic culture? Apostles create the culture of the family, but how do we perpetuate that culture how do we represent that to one another if we can't just um, um, you know expect one guy to be running around perpetuating that culture or you know it's not easy to have events that everybody can get to there must be some other way of ensuring that everybody can participate in our culture as an apostolic family of churches do you want, am i communicating i okay, can you understand that this is what we want to do well, first of all, as I was saying earlier, there are authentic marks of the church, but I think there are marks of maturity that come by... Uh, that is the responsibility of apostolic ministry to establish among us. And I just want to touch on those. This is going to be familiar territory for some of you among, here, among us here. We've talked about this a lot, but please bear with us because obviously we want to bring everybody into that discussion, if you like. What is the sort of culture that we're looking to establish among us? Uh, we were trying yesterday... Um, uh, we were doing our best to try and explore the culture of local church and how do we establish that, we don't want to default culture but what is the culture of the way that we operate together as churches what does that look like You know, and these are the four things that we've discussed over the years uh, Dave Holden put us onto this, I just want to unpack those again as I say some of you will be familiar with this and Dave Holden, very helpfully, he talked about our apostolic culture as being one of uh, a care for the churches. He talked about the plumb line of doctrine. He talked about impartation, and he talked about the regions beyond. And so I just want to look at those four briefly in terms of what it means for us to work together and connect one another to apostolic culture. So firstly, a deeply relational culture arising from a genuine heart of care released through leaders into the life of the church. This is part of our culture. This is what we want to create among us. This is what we want every one of you to say, I taste that and I experience that. You know, I'm not just the one on the back row that doesn't feel involved here, but actually when I come among these people, I feel I'm swept up into a culture of care. And the apostles help establish that culture. It's deeply relational. Apostles bring care to the leaders of local churches and gather them into community with other churches, and that then flavours the whole mix. It's like the, the blend of tea we were talking about. You know, in Acts 14:22, you know, they went through strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Paul's relationship with the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 is very telling. You know, they were clinging to him as he was about to leave. This wasn't a visit from headquarters. You know, in England, we have uh, an organization that evaluates the teachers in our land. They're called Ofsted. Anybody who's done any teaching in our nation shudders when you hear the name, the word Ofsted. Because they're going to come and they're going to check your school out and make sure it's working properly, and they're terrified at this. You know, it's, oh no, my wife is a teacher. Oh, Ofsted are coming. You know, it's like the uh, the secret police are coming. You know, that's not the relationship that Paul had with the people he was working with. You know, they they didn't they they, they clung to him. They didn't want him to go. And that, You don't have to cling to Angela and uh, Grantley and myself when we leave today and Mike, you know. I'm not saying this for our ego's sake. (laughs) I'm saying that just tells us something about the quality of the relationships that they had. It was very precious. It wasn't a business deal. It wasn't a, ooh, be careful, here come. You know, I I really recoil from anything that ever emerges among us of celebrity or, you know, or aren't they impressive? You know, isn't it Peter and John, they threw dust in the air and tore their clothes when people started to give them that sort of adulation. They said, hey, no, (laughs) we're not having that. We are ordinary people. We want to be in this sort of relationship together. I think we have to ponder what we mean by a culture of relationships and what that actually looks like. You know, it's very, very, very striking in three of the gospels it focuses in Jesus last hours it focuses on the last supper but then in the one gospel in John it focuses on Jesus washing his disciples feet and he says this is the way I want you to look out for each other all right this is how the, this is how I want you to care for one another i felt almost when we were worshiping Jesus even this morning yeah we <laughs> We were bringing our devotion to Him, and He was washing our feet. I could see it in my spirit, you know. He was guys who are out on the rim, you know, feeling on an edge, you know, and and ladies at home with little kids and that, and, you know, this is what uh, Jesus wants. He says, This is how I want you to love one another. And we were just, he was washing our feet while we were worshipping him. And he's got his towel around his waist saying, right, you know, I'm caring for you. And he wants us to care for each other in this way and feel for each other in this way. It's such a priority. I mean, I love John 21. You know, some of you here have heard me preach through, you know, the end of John's gospel when, uh, you know, right at the end, he, you know, John, it's almost like he's, he's finished and he's ready for print. At the end of John 20, he says, um, uh, you know, Jesus did many other miracles in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. And by believing, you may have life in his name. And you think that's a great way to end your gospel. And then he lurches into John 21. And right at the heart of that is Jesus's priority of relationships. You know, he reveals himself by cooking breakfast for his friends. I love that, you know, you know. I just so, I think Phil yesterday was talking about, you know, that Jesus came eating and drinking. How did he reveal himself again? You know, there's all sorts of ways Jesus could have revealed himself to his disciples. And he made them, that's my sort of king. (laughs) You know, And, and Jesus, when he was restoring Peter, he's saying, hey, you know, he didn't even get into. I mean, I mean, we can't preach about this now. He didn't get into the. Uh, Come on, Peter. I think it will heal you if you take responsibility for your actions. Uh, he doesn't. He just says, "Look, do you love me? <laughs> if you love me, then we'll get on with the task here. All right? But I just want to make sure we're we're good. That we're in a good place. Then we can move on. And I so I just want to talk just very briefly about what do we mean by relationships. I think people misunderstand it sometimes. When we put such an emphasis on the fact that we want to build a relational culture and they think, you know, that means that we're all sort of extrovert-friendly people who run around slapping each other on the back all the time and going, hurrah, you know. And, um, I mean, uh, Angela and I were laughing the other day about the fact that most of us are quite sort of neurotic introverts, actually, you know. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get to, to be able to look in, in Mike Betts' eyes sometimes, you know. He's sort of... Uh, he's sort of you know, <laughs> you know. and uh, uh, Greg and I—we was chatting So he said, "Oh, we have got to see these people who do all that chatty stuff now." And I say, "Yeah, sorry, Greg. That's what we have to do, you know." And uh, you know, it's—it's it's not about all. Of, we're all suddenly Uber-friendly people. It's just the quality in which we connect and we relate to one another. And so I try to think: What does it mean? What does a relationship-shaped culture look like? And uh, you know, you may have all sorts of different ways you can define it. I mean, my my world is shaped by relationships. It's not shaped by uh, uh, opportunities or conditions or anything. It's shaped by relationships. And I think relationships, a culture that is shaped by relationships, it values you for who you are before what you do. You know, Jesus, do you love me? Do we have a relationship? Okay, we can go. All right. I have a dream, not judged by where you were born, what letters after your name, how much in your bank balance, the colour of your skin, but by the content of your character, a famous man said. You know, it says a lot of how we introduce one another. You know, do we introduce one another by how impressive we feel the person is? Uh, You know, or do we introduce one another by the fact that, no, this is my friend? You know, this is my friend. Uh, you know, it's not that we try to impress one another or each other. I mean, I, I was party to an incident once, no names, no pack drill, where someone was about to address a small meeting around the table. And another man was on his phone, quite a senior guy, on his phone to someone. And so the person who was about to address the the, the room uh, waited for them to finish on their call, uh, their texting. And this person looked up and they said, uh, you've got to be impressive to get my attention. <laughs> And I thought, oh man, this was among our churches. I thought, man, that's not even a joke. That's not even a joke. You know, Jesus on his way to Jairus' house and then was touched by the woman with the uh, uh, with the, the bleeding. You know, he, okay, the, Jairus was the most influential man. He can wait because now this is the priority for me. Uh, you know, I just want to... You know, we just value each other because we love each other. Before even we do anything, we're not in measuring, thinking, "Oh, this is the sort of person I need to associate with because they're doing a good job." You know, no, it's not actually. No, I feel God's connecting me with you. Uh, I'm not really bothered about what you're doing. I just feel connected to you, and so I want to get behind you and support you and love you and care for you in any way that I can. Um, relationship culture is is marked by the fact that we're the same in public as we are in private, and I think you know. That is another sense that we 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 can just be ourselves with each other. We're not trying to impress anybody. We're not trying to impress one another. It's the same in public. What you see here, whether you like it or not, is what you're going to get <laughs> privately as well. You know, I can't do anything else. I can only be myself. I, I've learned that. I can't. Um, I can't. You know, even if I try to impress anybody, I can't anyway. I think we're going to. uh, I told you, technology has a relationship with me. So, yeah, same in public as in private. Transparent, open. Jesus showed his wounds, Paul showed his weakness consistent in public and in private, what you see is what you're going to get. I want to know you. I don't want to know who you think I want to know. All right? I want to know you, not what you think. I I, I, I find this... Don't you find this as leaders in churches? You can tell when someone is connecting with you as the person, and you can tell when someone is connecting you as the role. You can tell the difference, can't you? And I, I... I struggle when people just connect with the role. I'm thinking that I don't want to relate with you according to my role. I want to relate to you according to who we are as brothers and sisters, you know. And so, but we have a part to play in that because we've got to be consistent. You know, we've got to be exactly as we are in public, as we are in private. Otherwise, people will get confused. They don't know how to connect and what to connect with. A non-relational culture forces us to present ourselves in a way that is acceptable to the prevailing culture. And people get bent out of shape. People start doing things and behaving in ways that are not authentic because they're trying to impress the prevailing culture. So we have to create a culture where, hey, we accept one another exactly as we are. A relational culture is collaborative, not competitive. You know, we're motivated by Jesus' glory, not our own glory. So we're very happy to be generous and collaborate. A relational culture is authentic. It's not superficial. You know, Jesus, I, I take great joy in these words. The Bible tells us that Jesus was not attractive. And that Paul was not impressive, you know. And then you find, you know, particularly influence from some other nations, power dressing, and how we present ourselves, and becomes all important. I can take great satisfaction in the fact that Jesus was not attractive, you know. That's what it says in Isaiah, doesn't it? He said he was not a man, you know, a man that would be attracted to him. Paul, they all said, you know, he sounds impressive in his letters, but when he's here, what is he? Some little short. Bald guy, you know. Hallelujah. (laughs) It's got to be authentic. How does it work out in real life? This is the great problem I have with people, and we'll come on to plumb lines in a minute. This is the problem I have with people connecting to internet plumb lines, you know, and, and connecting to characters that they've never seen it work out in real life. You know, it's, I'm thinking, I want to I want to work with people when I see it works. How, how does it work in their marriage? Yeah, they sound impressive on the platform. Yeah, how's it with their wife? How's it with their children? I, that, that's authentic to me. That's, that tells me this is real. Not that you've got, you know, the, 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 the moves on the TV and you've got the book and the dot-com website. And no, I want to see how it works with you. That's what, that's what attracts my attention, you know, it's authentic. A relational culture puts empowerment before excellence. You release people even though others can do it better because you want to empower people, not just always have excellence. Now, we want to do the things as well as we can, but a relational culture is looking around and thinking, I want to empower you. I want to see you rise up and take this, even if it means that, you know, okay, it's not as, uh, uh, as well as, as if we ask the people who we know can do this. Do you get that? A relational culture is about transformation, not just achievement. It's not just achieving a goal. I mean, I think the hum- most humbling thing we have to keep reminding ourselves about is the fact that God can do this without us. <laughs> okay, He does not need our help to fulfill his mission. He doesn't need any of our help. He could have a thousand churches in, in, in the Netherlands next week. <laughs> but he wants us to help him do it and that's what's slowing him down a bit okay we're not helping him out you know he's not sat there thinking oh if only Morris could help me then i could fulfill my mission but oh no he's he's too busy having another crisis you know so the mission of God will have to wait that's not the way it is you know it's just not God and i heard someone say it may have been even at this event very recently it struck me very hard. He said that we are God's mission. <laughs> we are God's mission. You know, those that he has redeemed. And, and day by day, he's transforming into the likeness of his son. And, and so we think we're busy running around doing God's stuff. Uh, but actually, God is more concerned about what he's doing in us and forming and shaping in us. And uh, that's about transformation. So God's not just... If God, want, if God was bothered with achievement, he could have achieved it yesterday. But he's not. He's about transformation in our lives, in the lives of others that we're reaching, in the communities that we represent. And that is the evidence of a relational culture. So I, I just want to help, help you understand that. When we talk about relationship, uh, relational mission, it's a, it's a mindset. It's a culture. It's the way we operate. It's the way we handle one another. It's the way we process decisions. We don't just process decisions by thinking what's the uh, the, you know, the best way to achieve something. We're thinking, how does this affect the people around us? You know, how can we make sure that every person is dignified in this process? We're not just going to say, well, get out of the way because we've got a better solution here. We're, it, it, it concerns us. Relationships are uppermost in our thinking. And this is part of the sort of culture that we want to create. Secondly, uh, we talked about the Plumnatus Doctrine, a growing appreciation of the great apostolic doctrines. I think this is part of the culture that we can perpetuate among us. And, uh, you know, a plumb line in the New Testament, it's interesting, really. There was a significant expectation of intellectual capacity among those who would read these letters, uh, who in the main would have been leaders in their day. I think sometimes, you know, we, forget, we, we think, when you think of what was the world like 2,000 years ago, we think, well, it was quite primitive. You know, people sort of think, oh, it was quite primitive, wasn't very developed. Yeah, they managed to get their head around this sort of stuff. All right? <laughs> They managed to get their head around this sort of stuff. Let's not dumb this down, you know. And uh, you know, they they wrestled with truth and they wrestled with doctrine and they got their heads around it. And apostles help us. It's part of their role is to help shape the body of applied doctrine for churches in their care. 2 Timothy 1:13. What you heard from me keep as a pattern of sound teaching. And this plumb line. It's so important. that plumb line is found, again, in a relationship. It's, it's found in a ministry. It's not found in a manuscript. And I think this is the error that we so often make. A plumb line, an apostolic plumb line in our churches is not a code of doctrines that we all sign up to. It's, a plumb, it's something against which we measure ourselves to make sure that we're in line. And what we're measuring ourselves against is the gift of God that is recognized in apostolic ministry. It's not measured against values. As was, Mike was trying to get that balance right the other night when he was saying we have these 16 or 17 values, but that, in effect, isn't our plumb line. What our plumb line is is a relationship with apostolic ministry. And so, you know, we again, we're looking to try and uh, create that culture among us. It's so important today in the Internet world that we live in. I think for every, uh, you know, I meet some guys in our movement that for every sermon they listen to from someone with apostolic weight uh, in our movement, they're listening to five or ten from guys who are from outside of our movement. Now, that's not a problem. That's fine. You know, we need to drink from every river. It's about, But what's the plumb line? What are you measuring it up against, ultimately? And if forever you're taking sort of apostolic... Uh, plum, uh, doctrine from within our movement and measuring it up against another plumb line then you're starting to say something about where your your plumb line is you know so I'm not against people drinking from many many streams and uh, uh, having a Driscollian doctrine as Tom Shaw would say <laughs> or a, a Kellerian doctrine or a Bill Johnson doctrine I don't mind any of that but where's your plumb line Who are you bringing? Who are you measuring this up against? At the end of the day, will tell you actually where is your apostolic connection and what apostolic culture you're part of. Um, We're looking for a thriving. This is in terms of impartation, a thriving charismatic community, rich in life and activity of the Spirit. Apostles catalyse spiritual life through the teaching of reliable doctrine and the impartation of spiritual life through prophetic ministry, healings, the release of spiritual power you know Romans 1.11, I long to be with you so I may impart to you some spiritual gift uh, again this is part of our culture so part of our culture as a family of churches working together is a deeply relational culture it's a culture that respects a plumb line of doctrine that we're all aligned to it's a culture that anticipates a spiritual atmosphere that is catalyzed among us and it is not dependent upon certain individuals It really is not dependent upon them. Mike is very helpful when he talks about signs following, you know, apostolic ministry. He said it didn't mean that all the signs were carried out by apostolic ministry. It's just apostolic ministry ministry creates the atmosphere and the culture of faith where all of us can move into these gifts. And I thought that was such a helpful thing. Because first of all, it takes the pressure off our expectation of apostles that, you know, they chuck their... Uh, Kleenex tissue in the bin and people get healed, you know. Um, and also it means actually, you know, we're part of this apostolic culture. This is our culture. We're a culture of healing and spiritual activity and signs and wonders and provoking faith in one another. This is our culture. We perpetuate this. We serve one another with this culture and apostatize that and create that. The presence of God Torah has been outstanding for that. You know, Mike has been very, very clever in the way that he has spoken about healing and then started praying for healing, and then hearing testimonies of healing, and then he'll say, I haven't prayed for anybody. You know, And these people suddenly all realise, oh, it was me. I was praying, and God used me to heal that person who's now giving the testimony up here. It's not line, you know, form a queue for the big man to come and pray for you. He's, he's, he's empowered everybody. This is part of the culture that we're looking to create. Gathering up churches in apostolic mission that extends beyond our own immediate boundaries. This is the regions beyond. Apostles raise awareness of mission vision goals in the regions beyond, and we collaborate our efforts on those goals. So I just, uh, I'm conscious that people have got planes and trains and, and ferries to catch. And so I, I need to just bring this through to a... Uh, a rapid conclusion. I just uh, wanted to paint out for you. This is what we are looking, when we're thinking about who are we together that is more than what we are apart. What is the added value for you out in Lille and Stockholm and, and the wild frozen tundra of Thetford? What is it for you to mean that I'm part of something here? What is the culture that I'm part of? What am I, what is the added value? What's the benefit? Why be part of this? I could just be, um, uh, you know uh, get the magazine uh, say we're part of New Frontiers or relational mission and okay that's great that looks good but is there an added benefit well these are the added benefits we are looking for that there is a deeply relational culture that we are aligned in terms of our doctrine and truth that we are creating a catalytic spiritual atmosphere among us that we're working together for goals of mission hmm? and and We cannot expect that all to be delivered to us only on the visit of certain people because it won't work. It won't work. And we cannot rely upon strategic conferences alone because that excludes too many people. And so what we are endeavouring to do and we will make mistakes, and we will, may it take us time to get it right. Is to cluster churches together, and say, you can care for one another in the same way you know we would care for you. Now care for one another. Yeah, exercise this culture between you. You know, it's so helpful for young mums to sit together. I'm so grateful that uh, you know a number of uh, you know young families have made it here. And I'm sure, I've not asked, but I'm pretty confident that there's been great benefit from young mums sitting together and saying, oh, it's like that for you as well. Yeah, yeah, we've had that. (laughs) Yeah, we're struggling with this. Yeah, I never have any energy for anything. And, you know, we understand that. And there's a strength that comes from just saying, okay, it's all right, this is normal. You know, we're not in an unusual situation. Uh, There's a strength that comes from bringing people together in that way. And we want to encourage you to reach out and do that. We don't want you to be on your own. That you're sitting there thinking, how do we process this difficult strand of doctrine? People are all reading this book or looking at that website. We don't know what to do. We'll get together with other brothers and sisters who, in their heart, want to build to a plumb line. And let them help you process that. Don't struggle on your own trying to think, how are we going to do that? Let's write a paper on Israel. Well, you know, you'll know, you probably find 30 churches in here have written papers on Israel at some point on how to answer certain questions. Well, go and ask them. They can help you. They can help you with that. You know, and, and so we perpetuate that culture. And keeping spiritual expectation alive among us, whenever we gather together, having an expectation, we're going to pray for one another. And we're going to allow God to refresh us and restore us and equip us. We don't have to wait for a big conference or a big visit. And there is so much more among us when we share that between us and not just only from within our own churches. And mission, you know, how can we... I so love John's testimony. You know, we've got this small little square of of God's earth and we're going to just blitz it. (laughs) Plant, 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 plant. Oh, that one didn't work. Don't worry, let's have another go. Plant, plant, you know. And uh, I always remember, I don't know if it's the same in Holland or in other nations, when we have a political election in our country, we have a big map of the country and all the different districts and, and that. And if one party wins a district, it turns blue. And if another one wins, it turns red. Or if another one, it turns orange. You have that in your country as well. And then you can see who's winning. And it's almost like, you know, I can look at John and Grantly in their, in, the, in the area where they're working with their cluster. And it's almost like they're saying, we've got this We've got this, Morris. Don't worry, we've got this covered. Yeah? We've taken responsibility here, Uh, loyal to the apostolic team. We've taken responsibility here to care and to make sure that good truth is being taught and to catalyse spiritual activity and to plant and to reach with mission. We've got that covered. And it's just a wonderful thought, you know, that these guys are perpetuating that apostolic culture. So, this is our, our dream and our desire, is that not one of you will be left isolated. We will find the way. You know, Phil is being so creative, saying we will find the way. If you are feeling disconnected, then we will connect you. Okay? If you're feeling isolated, we will address that. But the uh, expectation has to be that God has put the capacity and resource for much of that among us and between us and not to have an expectation of some special visit from headquarters or some special event or conference. No, no, God has given you what you need among you to perpetuate apostolic culture, to care for one another, look out for one another, keep each other in line, keep each other alive with the power of God, and keep each other gathered up in mission and not just introspective. He's got that's all within you. And then we can, as uh, ministries, we serve that and provoke that whenever we're among you. Do you see that? Because this is the only way we can see how this can grow. Because if you're waiting for a visit from uh, a certain person, it's not going to happen at that sort of pace. You know, there is, God has invested that in you, and we care for one another in that way. So I just want us to close now. I just want, if you have made a connection with someone this week, a fresh connection, that you just feel, oh, that's such a good connection. I just really want to pray that that will row well just in the five minutes we have left i want you to go and find that person and pray for them it'll be a bit messy maybe there'll be lots of people trying to pray for one person or want we'll go and find someone else and if uh, if the person you wanted to pray with is uh, is praying with someone else well then go and find someone else and connect with them right now even for the first time and then this is we as we are closing let's pray god will really keep our connection strong in that way go and find someone go and bless them